Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to The Haunted Collection with your host, writer, paranormal investigator, and haunted collector, Kevin Kane, here to bring you more creepy, ghostly tales of terror. In this episode, I have a couple of spooky stories I hope you'll enjoy, so stay tuned. Before we get started, as always, I invite you to come to my website, myhaunteddolls.com. Please go out there and check out our store. I have a lot of books out there you might be interested in. If you like reading creepy stories, I've got plenty of them in my books in the shop, including a couple of books about my haunted items, my dolls and paintings and things I've collected over the years. Be sure to look at the books called My Haunted Collection, and then the sequel, My Haunted Collection, The Dark Side. If you don't like reading and you'd rather do audiobook, a couple of my books are on Audible, so be sure to check those out as well if you have Audible or iTunes. And as always, my books are available on Amazon, BooksAmillion.com, Barnes & Noble, and so forth. Even eBay has my books, <laughs> so be sure to check those out. Also, you've got to see my YouTube channel if you have not done so yet to see some creepy story, creepy story videos, evidence that I've captured on audio and video, and even some live feeds I do every couple of weeks. So be sure to check those out. You can go to youtube.com forward slash C, forward slash My Haunted Dolls. That's youtube.com forward slash C as in cat, forward slash My Haunted Dolls. Come follow me on Facebook too at My Haunted Dolls, because I have posts there every once in a while too, especially when I collect new items. So if you want to keep abreast of what I do, be sure to follow my Facebook at least if you don't watch my YouTube. And now, let's get started with our first creepy story, a ghostly story, from right here in Alabama, my home state. I can't wait to share it with you. This is a story that was told by Catherine Tucker Wyndham in her book, 13 Alabama Ghosts and Jeffrey, and I'm going to go ahead and share it here. It's called The Red Lady. Huntington College in Montgomery has been haunted for years by a ghostly visitant known as the Red Lady. Actually, according to some accounts, there have been two apparitions who walked or do walk the dormitory halls by night and who wore or now wear red. The first lady dressed in red appeared at the college when it was still upstate in Tuskegee before moving to Montgomery in 1910. She was seen one night in the Sky Alley, the top floor of the dormitory in the Tuskegee Institution. It was just after all lights were turned off at 10 o'clock in the evening, and night had settled in already. 
when she came into view, walking up and down the corridors in lonely vigil, walking, walking, looking neither left nor right, and uttering no sound. The lady clad in a red evening dress and carrying a red parasol was visible through a crimson aura of light which surrounded her and cast a lurid glow over her unearthly features. The frightened students who saw her hastily gathered in one room and moved a heavy washstand against the door, but they continued to hear her footsteps walking, walking. These weirdly rhythmic sounds alarmed them so greatly that they became panic-stricken. One of the girls fainted, and nobody dared speak above a whisper until at dawn. The tap-tap noise of her clicking heels died away, and she was finally glimpsed disappearing in the gloom of an avenue of cedars leading to an entrance gate. The students at the old college never saw the Red Lady again, but for a long time their sleep was made restless by memories of the ghostly promenade. The mind of one girl became so unhinged that she would not retire at all without having a lighted taper burning at her bedside, and the nerves of others neared the breaking point. Nobody at Tuskegee could explain the reason for the appearance of this luridly red ghost in the college dormitory. Nor did anyone know who she was. But there was a good reason for the visits of another red lady to the college after it was moved to Montgomery. This ghost was a former student named Martha who had lived a sorrowful life which came to a tragic end in her room on the fourth floor of Pratt Hall at Huntington. Martha was from New York, and she came to Huntington because her father's will specified that his daughter must attend her grandmother's, his mother, alma mater. This alma mater had been Huntington when it was in Tuskegee. Martha did not especially want to come to Alabama, but her father's fortune was large, and she knew his deep love for his home state of Alabama. So, although knowing no one in this deep south area, Martha somewhat reluctantly came to Huntington. She was dressed in red when she arrived and she brought with her red draperies for her windows and a red spread for her bed as well as other accessories of the same color. From the beginning, she refused to explain her apparent obsession with their color, red. Being a stranger and shy as well as unhappy in her unfamiliar surroundings, she could not make friends among the students. They sensed that she was different from themselves, and having heard she was wealthy, 
they mistook her shyness for disdain. Martha sat alone and apart from them in the dining hall. She seldom spoke to her roommate. And when girls dropped in to visit, she seemed so cold and unfriendly they stopped coming. To tell the truth, many of them had come out of curiosity to see the red prayer rug that Martha had bought in Turkey or the odd little figurines on her bookshelves. Her roommate found the situation unbearable and asked the house mother if she could move out. The house mother granted this request and put someone else in the room with Martha, who became increasingly aloof and irritable. The second girl also left her after only a week. This procedure happened again and again as one roommate after another found it impossible to live with a surly girl. At last, the president of the dormitory, who was known for her ability to get along with everybody, moved in with Martha and did all she could to make friends with her. But all efforts were futile. Martha had become embittered as well as withdrawn, and she seemed to resent the presence of this kind-hearted girl. After all her efforts at friendship had failed, and after she found herself growing depressed and despondent, the dormitory president packed her belongings and prepared to leave. Just as she was about to go, Martha, who had not known of her imminent departure, returned to the room. With a look of defiance, Martha said, So, you couldn't stand me either, like all the rest of your stuck-up friends. I was beginning to think you really wanted me to be your friend, but you hate me just like the rest. Well, I'm glad to be rid of you. Take your things and go. But I'll tell you one thing, my dear. For the rest of your life, you'll regret leaving this room. The house president was disturbed by this bitter outburst, but in the midst of her many activities, she soon forgot about Martha's prophetic words. The sad girl, abandoned by the person she had believed to be her only friend, formed the habit of wandering into rooms where other girls were congregating, but her presence cast a chill upon the groups and they would soon find flimsy excuses for leaving the room. Then, with a feeling of alienation from all humankind, Martha would return to her solitary sleeping quarters where she would wrap herself in her red bedspread as though she were retreating from the whole world. Later, her behavior became even more strange. She would wait until lights were out, and then she would visit one dormitory room after another, never saying a word, but staring into space as if she were in a trance. As time passed, she took to walking up and down the halls during the darkest hours of the night. 
Often she would alarm girls by opening and closing their doors, then hurrying away to resume her pitiful promenade. One evening, after Martha had not appeared for classes or meals all day, her former roommate, the dormitory president, had a guilty feeling and decided to go see her, thinking that this time she might be able to help Martha in some way. As she neared Martha's room, at an isolated end of the corridor on the top floor of the building, she noticed the first of the now-famous flashes of red shooting out into the corridor, down from the room's transom, as so many have seen since. She opened the door and screamed. Girls from all over Fourth Floor Pratt rushed from their rooms to see what was wrong. They found the dormitory president lying in a faint within the doorway of Martha's room. Not more than three feet beyond her lay Martha, dressed in her red robe and draped in her red bedspread, with blood around her on the floor. Martha had carried out her threat by slashing her wrists and bleeding to death. This happened a long time ago, but students at Huntington say that on the date of Martha's suicide each year, rays of crimson light flashed down from over her transom, and the red lady in her bizarre clothing returns to haunt the halls of Pratt Hall at Huntington College, walking, walking, walking. Did you like that creepy ghost story? I really loved it when I was a kid, and I still love it today. I've never been to Huntington College, and of course I'm not sure if men are allowed inside that particular building, but it would be awesome to go in there, perhaps even on that date, and see if I catch a glimpse of that red lady walking the corridors. And now on to our next story. But before we get to that, I want to make a little announcement. There's a little creepy movie on YouTube called It's Me, Billy. If you're a fan of horror movies like you, you may have heard a movie from back in the heard of a movie from back in the 70s called Black Christmas. It was the original Collar Inside the House horror slasher movie. Well, It's Me, Billy is a fan-made sequel to that film, and it was just released today on YouTube. I was one of the backers of that film, and I've seen it, and I want to encourage you all to tune into that and check it out. It's a really creepy little film, and I enjoyed it myself. When the credits roll at the end, be sure to look out for my name and the thank yous. (laughs) 
And now, let's continue this episode with our next story. It's an urban legend that originated all the way over in Spain about a girl who has an intense hatred and envy for her own sister. It's called Blue Eyes. A few years ago in a small town in Spain, there lived two sisters named Sarah and Jennifer. Sarah was 16 years old and Jennifer was 17. Their parents believed they had the perfect family. They lived in a large house. They owned two cars. They were comfortable financially and they had two beautiful daughters. The parents could not have felt better about life, but they were completely unaware of a serious problem that would tear the family apart. Sarah intensely hated her sister, Jennifer. The reason Sarah hated her sister was that she believed Jennifer was more beautiful than her. No matter how many times people told Sarah she was pretty, she would never believe it. When she looked in the mirror, she felt extremely ugly. When she looked at Jennifer, she saw everything she wanted to be. Jennifer had beautiful, long, blonde hair. She had an attractive, slim figure and never needed to dye it. She had perfect white skin and never needed to wear makeup. But there was something Sarah envied more than anything else about Jennifer. It was her beautiful blue eyes. Jennifer was very popular with the boys at school. Whenever she walked by the boys, they would whistle and it seemed as if every boy in school wanted to date her. They always complimented her on her beautiful blue eyes. All of the popular girls in school wanted to hang around with Jennifer. Over time, Sarah's envy grew worse and worse. She became obsessed with her sister's eyes. One afternoon, sitting alone in her room, Sarah began brooding about her sister's good looks. As she stared at herself in the mirror, she wished that there was something, something she could do to destroy Jennifer. Sarah's unbridled envy had driven her over the edge of madness, and in her rage, she wanted to ruin the life of her sister. With chilling coldness, Sarah devised a crazed and depraved plan. While Sarah was brooding alone in her room, Jennifer was with her friends, hanging out at the local mall. She was blissfully unaware of what her younger sister was planning. The next evening, Sarah's parents went out to the theater together, leaving their deranged daughter alone in the house. She decided that it was the perfect opportunity to put her devious plan into action. 
Sarah waited until 10 p.m. when her sister arrived home. Jennifer was in good spirits, and everything seemed normal as she entered the house and walked upstairs to her bedroom. When she opened the door, she noticed something strange. The framed photograph of herself that she kept her on her dressing table was lying shattered on the floor. Suddenly, she got a phone call. Looking at the screen of her phone, she saw it was from a private number. When she answered the call, she heard a voice hissing threats on the other end. The person said they wanted to rip out Jennifer's blue eyes and disembowel her. Come outside, come outside, hissed the voice. Jennifer then recognized the voice. It was Sarah. Jennifer ran downstairs and opened the front door. What she saw outside made her lose her senses. The dead body of her sister, Sarah, was hanging by the neck from a tree. Her stomach had been slit open and her guts were spilling out. Her dead eyes were staring straight at Jennifer. The scene was so awful that Jennifer ripped out her own eyes so that she would not have to look at it anymore. Sarah's insane plan had worked. She got exactly what she wanted. In her madness, she had killed herself in the most horrible and disturbing way she could imagine in order to destroy her sister's beauty. Jennifer had lost the most beautiful thing she had, her incredible blue eyes. wasn't that an incredibly gruesome story. (laughs) You know, blue is my favorite color, and I really love blue eyes. But I would never want someone to be harmed like that. (laughs) Well, this brings us to the end of our episode this time. And I'm sorry to go, but never you fear. For I will return in a few weeks to bring you more creepy tales of terror. Maybe some more ghost stories, or some more tales of the macabre and the gruesome world beyond. Until then, watch out for those ladies in red and those crazy, insane people creeping around outside in the world. Keep your doors and windows locked. But by all means, please, have a happy haunting. (laughs) 